and welcome to You Made Me Watch That, where two film studies professors aim to expand each other's cinematic knowledge one recommendation at a time. I am your co-host, Colleen Kennedy-Karpat. And I am your co-host, Wickham Flanagan. This episode, we've got a triple because we are uh, coming off of the Buket Cinema Society and Japanese Culture Society joint screening of Satoshi Kon's film, Paprika. Paprika. So... I was made to watch this. You did not need to be made to watch this. No. Uh, but we also have our individual recommendations of Drive My Car for Wickham. Uh, you recommended it to me, I to did, be clear. yes. Yeah. And Seven Samurai for, for me, yes. to you. Yes. So we've got, we've got a lot to talk about. Shall we start with Paprika? Yeah. Since that's what, uh, what, 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 what really spawned this wide-ranging discussion of, of Japanese cinema. We are not going to be able to do justice to Japanese cinema in one episode. Well, to but be clear, what a picture we can get just from these three films. Oh, for sure. It's a nice, it's a nice variety. I, I think um, Paprika, I want to also be clear. I recommend Paprika. I'm not a big anime aficionado. I you don't, aren't? No. I know the big kind of touchstone movies. Okay. I, like, I like Akira. Okay. I think Ghost in the Shell is pretty good. Very influential movie. Uh, this is the animated version and not the live action version. Colleen, can you leave the room? Uh, um, can you? <laughs> I'm just trying to clarify because I know the live action was um, rather controversial uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, that's a that's a nothing movie. Uh, it's okay. very visually pleasing and and it's, and it's a very, not Japanese and, and, and at all. It's Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah. the, the animated okay. that goes okay. to the show that inspired all of these science fiction things. Tom Amjanam. Okay. Uh, Akira is really cool. Uh, but I, I know those. Uh, and uh, and I have not seen, uh, uh, say his name one more time. So, so sh- Satoshi Kon. Satoshi Kon. I have not seen any of his other movies. I've not seen Tokyo Godfathers. Well, uh, I've not seen uh, Perfect Blue. Well, is, well, sadly, I don't think there are very many. I know, but he's like yeah. he's considered to be like this this genius. Yeah. Uh, of of all of his all of his films have this kind of, and they're all very different. Perfect Blue, hmm. I think, is very much the inspiration for you know uh, we, we're going to talk about thievery of ideas in a second. Mm, Perfect we Blue, sure are. Perfect Blue is a very much an inspiration for. Um, Black Swan, ah, actually. Really? Yes. But it, it deals, I think, specifically with like celebrity culture. Huh. I think she's like a, a rising star who, it's. A, I think it is like a woman with a problem kind of movie. Similar, Black Swan is also one of those as well. Um, but it, it's a different take on it. But it's essentially the kind of psychological struggles of an artist. I have not seen Perfect Blue, so I might be completely wrong. But from what I have seen, it seems similar to that. Tokyo Godfathers is this like sweet, like... Like I think like adoption story, like oh. it's something else entirely. <laughs> and then paprika, I, I could what be. What do I we want, even call paprika? Let me. I could man. be completely wrong. I I say things sometimes, Khalid, <laughs> there. But I, I watched. I think the trailer for Tokyo Godfather, and it, and it's like, um, it was like two dads raising a kid. So that's my impression of what what it's about. But it could be like this, this horrifying like a crime mobby. spree. Okay, or yeah. This is the, this is it. Uh, Tokyo Godfathers. On Christmas Eve, three homeless people living on the streets of Tokyo discover a newborn baby among the trash and set out to find its parents. Oh. So it is something more. And it's a Christmas movie. And it's a Christmas movie. So it is something a bit sweeter and more down to earth. But this is the guy who made Paprika. Oh, well. So he has range. Sure. Man, it's it's, it's such a tragedy. He died of some horrible cancer in his 40s, quite, quite young. You know, limited legacy, but my gosh, what range. Yeah. Um, slight so, anecdote. 
I watched Paprika, and I'm not going to go into detail on this. I watched <laughs> this is a Paprika. family podcast. This is a family podcast. You are trying to go for like you know role model of the year. Yes, I I'm a I'm a clearly I'm a role model. I mean, everyone says that about me. Um, it is. <laughs> I watched it under ideal circumstances, quote unquote. Okay, and I think. Uh, that probably influenced my opinion of Paprika. For, for dosage instructions, check out his Instagram. No, no. <laughs> it was a, um, a nice cup of tea, Colleen. Uh, and it, it Extra it, green. Ex- Colleen, <laughs> we're trying to be subtle about the implications. <laughs> You're trying to be subtle. <laughs> green tea. And, uh, and I think that definitely impacted my opinion on it. But man, like just... The cinephilia of oh. Paprika, I was not anticipating the creepiness of it. Mm-hmm. And the, what I really love about Paprika, and we'll get into it, is how it has its own internal logic. But for whatever reason, I am right there with this movie. This hallucinogenic kaleidoscope of, and the tagline for Paprika is, this is your brain on anime, which is what for its, its release, I know. Yeah. Which is that can't possibly have been the Japanese tagline. I don't think it probably was, but no. you kind of—I mean, I can kind of see where they're coming from in that it is so it uses its medium right to the fullest extent. That is certainly true. I mean, if you want a picture of the potential that this yes. gives you, which is animation in general, yes. but I think it's a very just specific... the transitions and oh, yeah. the so essentially, Paprika is a dream woman who goes inside your brain as part of this corporation or whatever, or the scientific community, and essentially solves crimes for you or helps you with your PTSD. It's, it's very vague, kind of what, from what I remember, it's they're just helping people out, right? Well. <laughs> <laughs> they've developed a strategy. Well, at the beginning there's, of the there's movie. There's no dark side possible to this No, at all. of course not. But Paprika, <laughs> at the very beginning of the movie, is helping a cop essentially uncover a mystery from his past and a trauma from his past. Yes. So you're meant to assume, okay, they're tr- this at least Paprika, who is this kind of this kind of pixie. Like a, for lack- like a virtual therapist. Yes. yes this, this pixie-like woman. Yes, who is not real. And we no. see the real version of her in reality, um, who is this kind of slightly acerbic scientist. It is, yeah. I'm not quite doppelganger, but yes, different versions of the same person. So it's the dream version. But Paprika version. is like the fun, you know, yes. fairy version. Well, you can get to the meat of the problem. Inception just ripped this off. Oh, completely. no. I was totally taken aback to learn that Oppenheimer was not the first time Christopher Nolan conveniently forgot about Japan. Um, the concept, the is hallway, a, is, is the a dead loved one who returns in dreams. I mean, it's it's. I don't think it's 100% lifted. No. To be and, honest. And I mean, there are key changes. Aesthetically, it's very different. Well, Yes and no. I mean, there's Nolan enough... is approaching it from like a like an Escher painting. Yes, but very geometric. Yes, but I mean, at the same time, like there's enough lifted that you the want. The hallway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you really kind of want Nolan to acknowledge this a little more openly. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but I mean, not even just Inception. Like watching this movie, um, which was released, I guess, in 2005, 2006, it's like obtaining the last piece to a puzzle that you didn't even quite realize was a missing piece to a puzzle. It's like, like just yes, so yeah. many elements of culture that have come since then yes. make so much more sense once you know that this exists. What, was there anything else? I mean, just not, not, I mean, Inception was the big one that came to mind, but it, it was just like, 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess the parade. Yeah, the parade somehow triggers out. a lot yeah. Of, yeah, 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 yeah. of like stuff that's come since then. Oh, the the big um, uh, the uh, the like the crater in the middle of the city. I feel like I've seen that like dozens of times. I mean, it, 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 to the point where I'm not sure that there's one specific reference, but it's just sort of like encompassing so much of the last 20 years. Yeah. Um, the crazy parade images, random recommend. I mean, slight reference. There's the Sturgill Simpson did that crazy anime concept album uh, for whatever reason and released it on Netflix called sound and fury. And you can tell that parts of that animated thing are just, there's a parade crazy people on a parade and it's like well that's just paprika that's That's just paprika but i love the crazy parade yeah the the parade of everything which essentially is this like virus uh, of the of the dream world yes yeah and it's it's the same music that comes back Uh, and it just it's this weird like creepy uh, joyful music like like we we call a lot of movies nightmare fuel but i think (laughs) the potency of this particular it's the score the score especially because there's the ominous kind of like we're, we're going deeper into the dream there's one part where they're investigating someone's head and they and they keep going like layers of reality through it. They're like, oh, this opens up another door into his brain, and this opens up another door. And, and the and deeper Inception they, stuff. That's true. Which and is but, taken in a different direction. But, but the, yeah, the deeper they go, you're like, what? What the hell are they gonna find inside? The, and every scene gets weirder and weirder. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like, what is the the little doll that keeps coming back? Oh yeah. The that was the other thing. The little doll reminded me of the doll on What We Do in the Shadows. What? There's a little doll in what we do in the, the shadows. The show or the movie? The show, the, the show, the show. The show. Okay, I, haven't um, seen, I haven't seen the show. Yes, Nadja has like a doll of herself. Okay. It looks very strangely like that doll. And I I, I kept putting the is two it together like a, in my head. Is it a geisha doll? What am I? It, I, it is. It's something like that. Okay. Yeah. It's like but, a child though. It's yes, like a, yes, yes. Okay. Yes, yeah. Anyway. But that, doll, that doll keeps coming back. Uh, yeah. Visually significant. Yep. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, that that stuff is definitely nightmare fuel. Oh man! And we I referenced this before when we talk about um, again. I don't know what these things are coming out. I don't know. But we talk about a movie called Daisies. Yes. And there's the butterflies in Daisies. Yes. There's also a Sinjin Suzuki film where butterflies are associated with death. And then in this movie, the toxic masculine character essentially imprisons Paprika as a butterfly because she often flies around. Right. So is there a cultural significance to the butterfly thing? Is this just all, everyone has seen all of these movies and everyone is thinking about butterflies? Or am I crazy? Or is there a video essay in here somewhere? I, I mean, I, I am not a Japanese culture expert by any means. I would imagine that there is something specific behind this. But I mean, butterflies generally, you know, transience, freedom... You know, but then, but then it's the irony of them and being yes, imprisoned. and this, yeah. yes, the irony and, and having to kill them yes. to enjoy them. Uh, you know, another connection, by the way, to the Matrix. Obviously, mm. Wachowskis love their anime, sure, um, Ghost in the Shell, and stylistically and all that. But um, he like sticks his hand into <gasps> Paprinka's chest. Oh my god! And like cuts <laughs> her open. That's straight out of the one of the Matrix sequels. That's what Agent Smith does. Is he yeah. jolts your hand into your chest? But that part. It's genuinely horrifying. It is, yeah. So, were you Hard scared watch. while watching this? I, I, I mean, <laughs> it's 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 rare to have animation that you feel so viscerally. Yes, yes. yes. As this movie, I would recommend all. I mean, uh, Akira does the same thing. I mean, there's a lot a lot of these examples 
they they uh, they go for it in in a particular way. But I uh, I think for me it is this sense of like in a movie where it's surreal and crazy and there is like a narrative, but there is a narrative you can follow. I just mm-hmm. completely. I don't know. I feel like I get it, for lack of a better word. I feel like I'm on that movie's wavelength in a way that, I don't know, maybe is a form of uh, self-aggrandizing here. But it is it's a movie that is so trippy that it's very easy to get lost in it. But at some, I just I kind of I kind of vibe with it and I kind of understand exactly what the narrative is being presented, like the cop being the cinephile and when they're going through his his like cop movie like the mm-hmm. movies that he likes and one of the movies Colleen is clearly from Russia with Love which okay. is a Bond film which is the when they're in the train and there's someone being strangled okay yes so, so I'm like I, I get you movie I, I'm with you <laughs> I'm with this cop guy and his and his dreams and his and his sort of fantasies that he's sort of putting out in his dreams but the the moment for me of just like weird talk about nightmare fuel and just like I don't think has ever been replicated. Maybe it has, but there's this crazy dream virus or whatever that's driving people insane or doing something to them. And the one of the scientist guys is like talking about it. Do you remember the scene? And he's talking about it, and then all of a sudden he's just starts speaking nonsense. Oh yeah, like word salad starts coming out. Yes, and yeah. then he jumps out the the window. Yeah. Um, To me, that I've never, that is so eerie of you think a scene is one kind of scene and then everyone sort of acknowledges that something is totally off about what is being said. And, but the, the movie, in a movie that otherwise acknowledges the surreal nature of everything, it's, it doesn't present it as being strange, but when you're hearing what he's saying, you're like, you're not making any, you're not making any sense. I rewatched that scene actually. (laughs) <laughs> um, in preparation for this, because I remember yeah, this it being so multiple, visceral. And multiple times, too. I mean, at one point, it's multiple people who yeah. are descending into word salad. And To me, for whatever reason, that, that is nightmare. That, that, to me, is like the scariest thing, when you just stop making sense. Now, is it scarier for you to be the one not making sense or to witness somebody else who... I guess we're, suddenly... all witness, uh, we're all witnesses to it. So I guess being I mean, witness yeah. to it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that can happen in real life. It's like a sign of a stroke. And I mean, like, yeah, 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 I, yeah. That's, yeah. Just yeah. Someone, someone's mind just leaving apropos of nothing. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's one of those things where you, you can see it in fiction and to realize like that could happen, just it just hits you in a very visceral way. And like, yeah, I guess it is just this combination of things. It's, it's a very beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. It, the, the transitions, Paprika's bodily... When she like hops from a t-shirt, the opening credits of like her being in a t-shirt and then she's on the street and then she's in a mirror reflection and then she comes out of the mirror. Just um, it, it is this kaleidoscope of very engaging visual effects and body horror and mm-hmm. um, nightmare fuel, but then like weirdly sweet when it needs to be. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I vibe with it in it in its different um extremes yeah added bonus member of the tight 90 club right Truly and so much happens 90 minutes i don't know how it he crams fits so much in there this much inception was what like 12 hours long yeah it's 12 hours <laughs> they did the math on that <laughs> it feels a lot longer than it is. this does not i mean 
it's incredible. Looking, you, you, how does anybody fit that much movie into ninety minutes? It's incredible, really. And maybe, maybe some of the parts don't fit together. Like the villain's motivation is kind of, you know, once you figure out who he is, it's like, yeah, oh, it's like, like okay, uh... evil corporate overlord. Okay, I mean, for me, it was this like weird romance plot that got yeah. tacked on at the end. It's like that's really annoying. And then there are some other like. Is that with the cop? No, the cop. No, well, the cop has a crush on the scientist, or no, the cop is in love with Paprika. Yeah, but that's because um, Paprika is helping him. Right, um, but no, like the scientist sort of suddenly decides she's in love with her fellow scientist, and it's oh, completely I like about that. Okay, it's like they just needed something that felt like an ending because otherwise it wouldn't have felt ending-ish, <laughs> and that was. The best they could come up with. I just remember the it cop- really feels tacked on and not very sincere. The and- cop goes back to the movies, right? That sort of yes. ends with him, and so that's yes. it has a he, sort of an he, arc. Yes, yeah. he seizes his dreams once again and yeah. embraces the. Movies. I think that's mostly what I remember. Um, of like liking to go back to. The yeah, movies. I mean, I think that this this whole arc of the cop as failed filmmaker, like that's an interesting plot. Yeah. Um, it's a anyway, but yes, this this thing with the scientists was. Really, it, it, I didn't believe this for a second. I mean, there are a couple of moments of um, rather blatant misogyny, kind of besides that kind of tacked on romance. Um, there's a very striking moment when these men in, a, in the parade use giant flip phones to take upskirt photos of a row of like Sailor Moons. That was that's some sort of commentary. Coming. I mean, it's just, I mean, <laughs> these things, I mean, they're, they're, it's so clear when it happens, and it just, it's. It takes you, I mean, this is what kicks me out of the movie when yeah. that happens, because there's no reason for it to go in that direction. And yet there we are with the upskirt pictures. It's just like, ugh. <laughs> so, I mean, there are these sort of missteps, I think, that could just as easily be cut. Um, just like in Drive My Car. Just like in, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, to, to, to conclude on Paprika, yeah. what a picture. Yes. Really. A Man. picture is worth a thousand words. Um, uh, Ninety minutes of absolute sensory overload, oh, and yeah. at least for me, bliss in all of its in all of its uh, genres. Again, I, I I really and I hate to be the cliched you know film buff guy. That's what I'm called, right? That's what people call cliche me. Cliche film buff guy. Yeah, yeah. C F B G. Um, but I really I enjoy movies about cinephilia and as a movie that mm-hmm. fully explores the medium and generates all of these different genres within itself yeah um that is certainly this movie i, I get and and then uh, has a love for specific films on top of that in mm-hmm. it I, I just I, I love it and dreams you know you know you know me and dreams i would love to have a watch along with david lynch both of for us sit paprika. there and watch paprika I'm trying to picture what that would even look like. I think his head would explode. I, I <laughs> his head would explode. <laughs> well, yeah, my head would explode before the screening, and I, then they would. I don't think you'd be able to speak a word for about a week after this happens. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, drive anyway, my car. Drive my car was my recommendation to you. Very different film, and it, it was extremely different. Not a film. tight ninety minutes. Not by a long shot. Um, and I have a feeling you're about to yell at me for <laughs> for something. How dare you! <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I don't get a, 
Anyway. You don't get a positive vibe. No, you're, from now me. you're blinking at me from over the microphone. <laughs> Can anyone hear my blinking on the microphone? <laughs> this is why I have to narrate at Wickham. <laughs> I'll, make, All right. I'll make another home cliche, alone face. Cliche film buff guy. This was one of the top movies on everybody's list yeah. from a year ago. I talked about it in our year-end rundown, I think, last year. Um I did not get to rewatch it. I, I had intended to at least, you know, skim through it again, and I didn't get to do this. I have also found out that it is an adaptation of a yes. Haruki Murakami short story, which I've not had a chance to read. Um, I'll say there was, the there was, yes, I, there was a paper at the Association of Adaptation Studies Birmingham Conference uh, from Greg Nusson. I want to shout this out, but I wasn't there for it. I think I was counter-programmed in the other stream. And so I missed this paper. And this is like exactly the paper that I wanted somebody to write. And apparently Greg Nusson went and wrote it. So I have to, it's not published anywhere yet. I really want to read this. But it is all these layers of adaptation that are going into this film. So you've got the short story, which already references, I guess, Uncle Vanya. And then you've got the film which is doing Uncle Vanya and also this short story and apparently also a lot of other things going on because I, I gifted my husband the Turkish translation of Drive My Car and these other Murakami short stories uh, because I'd been reading them in the States over the summer and he picked it up and started reading them and, and I just thought, I'll get him the Turkish versions. Maybe he'll you know, finish them. Um, you know, did some literature, you know, I'm trying to educate the engineers. It's my constant life project. Um, but he managed to read this one anyway. And, and, you know, I said, Oh, so how does it happen? Like, is it like in the movie? And he goes like, there was nothing like that in the story. So apparently there's a lot of real differences from what Murakami put into, um, what director Ryusuke Hamaguchi did for the film. Um, so anyways, this is, this is sort of, for me, this is an ongoing point of interest and I would like yes. to revisit the film, um, get more into the theatrical aspect of it because I do not know Chekhov well at all. I don't either. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there are whole areas of this that would be, that we could add depth they, in those ways. was waiting for Godot at the beginning? Uh, I think, I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That I one I know. Yes. I was <laughs> trying to place the different, uh. Productions yep. that they were doing. Because yeah, the he's a theater guy who um, has a way of our protagonist who essentially mm -hmm. does these kind of cross language productions. Yes, That's what he's sort of known for. This is the gimmick that he's producing, and yeah. that was cool. Mm -hmm. um, I am okay with drive my car, Colleen. Really, I'm okay with it. You don't sound okay with it. I was a little. It 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 wore out its welcome. I think. Really? I think I hate to be that. What was it? Film cliche film buff guy. guy. But I guess three. I didn't think this was three hours worth of movie. I, was, I, I didn't get caught up in it. It's interesting. I was riveted. I was I, riveted I initially. It. I was into it. I I went into it thinking I will pause this halfway and finish it tomorrow. And instead, I found myself staying up to like 1.30 in the morning to finish this movie. I mean, I can sort I of mean, understand that. I want to be clear. I watched it while uh, Alev was teaching Atlas how to do proper fencing stance with some lightsabers next to me. And so the, 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 my... <laughs> well, so you had competing demands on your attention. Well, let's saying. just say there was lightsaber noises next to me as I was watching it. But I don't know. I, I that genuinely... That doesn't really mesh with Chekhov, I suppose. No. But I didn't, I didn't connect. The, the emotional connection is this sort of stagnation that our protagonist has because of this kind of relationship with his wife. And if the whole movie was about this weird ass relationship with his, <laughs> with his very attractive wife and her sort of inf infidelity. Yes. 
And the weird uh, because she's she's a TV writer, I think, or a writer, screenwriter. Yes. She gets story ideas when While she bangs orgasming. dudes. Yes. <laughs> and um, if the whole movie was about this <laughs> sort of perverse <laughs> relationship, um, which the movie is sort, it, she's it, it's nice that she sort of haunts the movie, and yeah. that is sort of the prologue. I, it, I thought it was rather forty minute prologue, which I yeah. thought was was kind of clever. It's its own sort of short movie. Basically, forty minutes in, yeah. and then we get the credits for yeah, the movie. And I laughed. Take that A twenty four. I laughed at that. That yeah, is that. how you do the delayed credits. You just give us the short that we need to understand what happens. Give but us the credits, and then give us like the Im- not to call it the real movie, but you know, like like yeah. I can be very succinct about my problem with it, to be honest. My, okay. The emotional journey that our protagonist goes on because he is, he, I thought he was very well acted. It was very good. Oh yeah. Good good performances all around. Shout out to Hidetoshi Nishijima, yeah. he, who is he, the lead. He, he he's magnetic. He carries multitudes. He does. Um, I, I I liked I liked everyone. I liked the weird, creepy young guy. I thought he was good too. Mm. Um, as just this kind of foil for him. Yeah, um, and this like pretty boy. Yeah. You can kind of tell he's been cast to look a little generic. Yes. Because this lead is so singular. Like he just, he has this interesting look about him and this gravitas. This this young guy has none of that. But, but, and kind but, of knows but, it and but, resents it. Yeah, but, but is, yeah. Is, 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 plays it very well. Yeah. Um, and the wife, you know, and the amount of time she's on there, she's great. And yes. the driver who he has a yes. relationship with. Uh, but that, journey that our protagonist goes on i don't think needed to be nearly as drawn out i could see where the movie was going very very clearly and it was just a matter of getting there and by the time it got there sure it was sweet i did get emotional with the sign language monologue at the end but i felt like that was somewhat independent of the movie it was the sort of it was the checkoff sort of existential questions about what happens when we die and the fact that it is this woman who's doing it in sign language, kind of in the way it was executed, she's doing it over him, mm-hmm. kind of in front of him. Like that by itself, I think I probably would have been emotional by. But yeah. the journey of our main character did not need to be as drawn out, I think, as it was. You don't, I, you don't want to see the sob driving around Japan for two hours? No. Oh. I think and, that's and a difference between you and me. It was paced out a little too tediously. There's mm. it's some beautiful shots. There's yeah. one shot where the the camera comes out of a tunnel and yeah. it's raining. Gorgeous landscapes. Gorgeous landscapes. He has a very nice apartment set up because uh, he's doing this theater residency. Yeah, yeah. Cityscapes. I have a note from when I watched it last year. Um, the cityscapes reminded me of Oslo and Worst Person in the World. Cityscapes so, reminded me of Gran Turismo uh, 7, the video game where you would race around <laughs> in Japan. Well, okay. In VR. It's probably the it, same it, video. The same Similar vibe. Yeah, yeah. And but, same cities. But I, I, was, I mean, it, Japan in general, not to get to Japan generally as a as a country, I mean, the Hiroshima stuff I thought was mm. nicely alluded to mm-hmm. um, and uh, directly kind of thematically trying to tie Sure, it yeah. In. National traumas versus yes. personal traumas. Personal problem. Yeah, yep. that was very nicely handled. Um, no, Japan in general, I really want to visit um, because of its, I, I find it very distinctive in its, in its visual landscape. I think, I mean, not to be, again, cliche film guy, uh, Lost in Translation was one of the first movies I remember going like, I want to go here. Ah, uh, I want to hang out in these. Lost in Translation, yes. where they're miserable. There, they're not miserable. Mm. Bill Murray is always miserable. Oh. 
Scarlett Johansson <laughs> to is, be fair. is miserable <laughs> due to circumstance. It's not because of Japan. The uh, Japan is the is the backdrop for the miserable that they find. They go out and they do karaoke and they they go to the weird arcades and yeah. there's like punks playing. It's guitar. also just about how isolating it can feel, though. Um, you know, being alone in that circumstance. To be perfectly honest, oh, yeah. to be perfectly honest, my I mean, we can have a Lost in Translation podcast. Oh. Um, I really don't get that. I get mm. I get the alienation that they experience, but the the location where they happen to be in, I don't know, fuels the the I don't know their um, their ability to I guess navigate it. At least for me, they're they're isolated, but they are able to sort of bond through that isolation due to Japan. Okay, and, and I feel like there there are things that are obviously comically reinforcing this like yeah. he can't order the food <laughs> or that they bring in a weird prostitute for him call girl apropos of nothing and he can't they can't understand <laughs> each other yeah. and him on him on the elliptical there's some distinctive like you know fish out of water stuff yes or the fact that he wants to play a not to go to bond but he wants to do a different bond and they say no roger moore you know do roger moore <laughs> um well, i don't know wickham what would you and i know about being two expats in a country <laughs> Bond, yeah, yeah, bonding yeah. over There's this alienation. But she's like, she's like in. Uh, All they have to do is start a podcast. That's true. It's like, but she's like going around and she like sees like a ceremony in this like beautiful garden and air is playing and I can vibe with that. Yeah, alone just in like, Kyoto, the song. Well, my husband brought me to the Kokoretchi last night and I'm just <laughs> sitting there vibing, going, I am out of place in this place for about five different ways, <laughs> but that's all right. I get to sit here and enjoy the vibe and he enjoys his kokorech and it's it's yeah. nice but I, I guess i guess I, I i connect positively to that but uh, okay, yeah but yeah. but drive my car i was also connecting to that of just like you know driving yeah, yeah. um on these highways and in a very nice red car sob with a cassette player so with a cassette player mm -hmm. where he listens to his wife it's understandable that he's protective of the sob yes with a cassette player which he needs so he can listen to his wife right um, yep. But it's, I don't yeah. know. I, 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 when they get, I mean, it's nice that they hug <laughs> at the end and he has his emotional cathartic moment. He I'm does, like, yeah. you could have had that an hour ago. Let dudes feel things, Wickham. We're why gonna, do they, why do they have gonna... to not feel things for an hour for me to find it worth because it? Because they want the best script prize at con. That's why. And you know what? Hamaguchi what got a, it. What a great justification for script writer at con. Can't, can't knock it. There, there was parts of the script I didn't really. I was like, really? I but, think it's. I think probably this has to do with the layers of adaptation going into it. I think a lot of screenplay winners, okay, especially in places that don't, you know, parcel out adapted He's, versus original, like Khan. Yeah. I think adaptations and I'm, this is just a gut feeling and I feel like I should now go back and do There's statistical some... analysis but I think ad adapted screenplays end up with an advantage if they pull it off well for those kinds of screenplay prizes there's some really cool writing in there to be fair yeah. like the the, the the there's like really nice bits like yeah, the confrontation yeah. with the young guy mm -hmm. and he's he finishes his wife's story and the story just gets really eerie mm -hmm. and off-putting like that was some really quality writing, and it's doing the uh, uh, what is it, Jonathan Demi thing mm -hmm. of them just looking into camera. It's a shot <laughs> reverse shot where it's okay. breaking the fourth wall, mm -hmm. and it doesn't start off that way, but it felt reminded me of Silence of the Lambs, and they're both like clearly about to cry, or they're they're on the verge of crying because they're talking about their long lost love. Um, 
the, the writing there was really great and very enrapturing. And uh, but then, but then the, when he's connecting with the, his driver and he says something like, just to make it very clear to the audience, he's like, "You killed your mom, and I killed my wife, and here we are." I'm like, "Yeah, that was the point of you all bonding over this. I get it. Yes, I understand the connection here. You all both feel this traumatic guilt." Yeah, Why no, don't you no, all just hug it out? Anybody like this is the other. Th- I mean, just to nobody actually killed them. He didn't kill his wife. I know, but that's <laughs> the point, Colleen, is I mean, that they have to reconcile with the guilt and trauma that they okay. feel. Yes, and, and you just want a little them bit to, too long to get to say, there. You just want this to happen in you know ninety minutes. No, like after like, a forty-minute prelude. The forty-minute prelude. It could have been. It, they could have cut twenty minutes, and it would have been a little tighter. I hate to be. I'm not a philistine. I mean, I am a philistine about some things, but I, I, I did. It didn't engross me. There wasn't like a Cliche like a thrust. You mentioned that it reminded you of Tar. Yes, and that's because I was seduced by the design elements. I mean, yeah. like everything is clean. Yes. I mean, the cleanliness feels unreal. This is the one thing I would really like. I'm most curious about with Japan. Like everything always looks so. Polished. The pristine uh, script reading it room just, with the cameras. Oh yeah, I, but yeah, the thing that reminded me of Tar was like the creative spaces and being used to different ends in Tar, but just that really yes, echoing one with the other, um, very very strongly. But Tar, I guess, just builds like a friggin' momentum. Well, it's doing a very yeah, different yeah. work. <laughs> like like that, that creative space is not processing her trauma. And I think that the point is not processing as opposed to actively processing. So there's a real kind of point of contrast to what's going on with the art in both of those films. But I, I do like how his artistic practice is a little intentional or otherwise a little traumatizing for the actors because he just has them read the script without performing it for like days or weeks on end and they just get really sick of it and they're like <laughs> complaining about it and he's like no with less emotion um yeah. and you can't tell if he's just torturing the young guy because the young guy <laughs> doesn't really know what the hell he's doing yeah. uh and uh and i liked all that stuff i like i like theater productions you know i enjoy putting on a show putting on a show um I don't know. It, it was fine. It was okay. Like it's not a movie that I can say, "Wow, what a what a piece of crap that was." You know, it's not, and that's what makes it kind of frustrating for me. Is you know, <laughs> you, you just want to diss what I. Recommend I want to diss what you recommend every week, Colleen. <laughs> no, but in a movie that has been recommended and talked about, and yeah, clearly it was, has, it was a real yeah, and clearly star from last year has tons of merit to it. I just find a bit obvious and. Uh, maybe pedantic and uh, overly drawn out that it's not like a movie it's not like there's any there's any one flaw that i can pinpoint that objectively is like wow this yeah this is why i suspect there's a lot going on in these layers of adaptation Mm. because yeah you you point out the beckett as well i mean that's something like both the beckett and uncle vanya are things that like high schoolers would put on so these are both like really super canonical texts that have a, a continued social presence um I don't know the Vanya as well as I probably should, um, but it's. I think that that's a layer that, with that depth, if you've taken a class in something like this, there are probably sort of things you can find. Not to not to be very generalizing because I don't know necessarily culturally how this is, but in like I was wondering in terms of the husband not wanting to confront his wife, mm-hmm. is that something indicative of? 
like the lack of confrontation is that something indicative of kind of japanese culture or like trying to go through i i honestly don't yeah, know yeah i don't know that i'd want to universalize it that way but i yeah. can talk but i mean it's fully you can empathize with the reluctance to engage with it. Yeah. Well, at the same time, you're screaming at him. Like, well, yes. Like, just say something. <laughs> yes. But but at the same time, like, especially with this, you know, ingenious bonkers setup where, like, this is helping her creatively. Who are you to yes. stand in the way of yes. her art, even if her art involves banging dudes? <laughs> like, behind your back. Like, it, it is. It's just like, like, there are better ways to do this, buddy. Like, I don't know. You know, but, but who knows yeah. how to address this when that Happens. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a very specific. It's, yeah, it's I'm not saying that this is indicative of, of most yeah, no, relationships, but um, no, and I'm I'm not sure we're meant to you know try to draw cultural lines. But 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 the fact way. that he he can't process it, you know, like he right. he is so it's all internalized for him, and he yes. he has to keep trucking. Yeah, I didn't know if that was indicative of if that was inherently some sort of commentary about the the nature of. Japanese relationships or not that's yeah that's hard to say and I don't think either of us is qualified yeah. okay. to comment I, I don't on know that. why I thought you would know the no. answer to this um, um <laughs> no but let's um let, let's um shout out to Hamaguchi yes. uh, the director has a new movie this year called evil does not exist which has a cool title which is a pretty cool title which uh, I think has a lot to do with like land like like uh, something like that, yeah. Decent, ownership. decent meta score. I will say this is one hour and forty six minutes, so you've got your uh, tighter script. I'm telling here. you, I hate short movies or long movies. I know. I hour. Hate, well, this I, is this is. You, you know, keep that's recommending like, like three hour movies to me. Well, I guess Dude, we're this, gonna turn the tables. This a bit. year was your year. I have if you watched. Like I have watched epics. more three hour movies this year because there have been so many yeah. of them. I mean, and it's been so we're we're. In the, in the midst of preparing our end of year yeah, yeah. podcast episode, and I'll tell you, normally I can sneak out from work and like just take a half a day, and I can't because yeah. if the thing starts at one o'clock, like I have to pick up my kids before this movie even ends. Yeah. Like I just schedule wise, it's a problem. Yes, <laughs> it's a problem. I have no problem with three and a half hour movies, but it's like just put it on Netflix already, and the, all the ones that I want, like, thank God for theaters, but I'm just, I'm really... It was difficult to watch uh, Drive My Car. Oh, right? yeah. I finally context. had to tell Yeet, like, we're going to see Kurotlarustune. <laughs> I'm in if you're in. And then we went, and he had to wake me up at one point, because <laughs> the thing started at 9 p.m. What can you do? So, anyway, yeah, I mean, I, the there was moon. no subtitles on that. So, I mean, grant me at least that my grad students were so right when they said it was talky. Anyway, we're getting off topic. But anyway, yes, last year was long movies. And this year, it's like they've amped it all up. It's even longer. <laughs> um, but anyway. Um, Dealman was worth it, though, to be fair. Oh, that's good. You know, I, guess, Hamaguchi, I guess compared. Hamaguchi dialed it back. Good for you, Hamaguchi. Don't double down on length. Um, but it's, anyway, speaking of it's, length, yes, the new one has been, oh yeah, yes. The longest one <laughs> is the one you recommended to me. Um, yeah. So we, are we pivoting to seven samurai? Yes. The, the sight and sound movie that I also recommended as yes, part of, which I because it's too it's... long, I couldn't watch it. In time. <laughs> so we thought we'll just put that into our Japanese extravaganza. I forget where it is. Is it like, it's in the top oh, 20. Oh gosh. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, and I can. Seeing it, I can understand why. And I got to say, Wickham, like Seven Samurai, Akira Kurosawa. Yes. Is it 57? Something like that? Sure. Um, this is this is a quintessential guys being dudes movie. Hell yeah. And in this case, it is Japanese guys being samurai. Like, there's so many different flavors of guys being dudes movies. Um, 
And fifty four. A oh, fifty four. Sorry. Okay, nineteen fifty four uh, for Seven Samurai. They are a joy to watch when they are done well. And I think what I like most about this particular kind of guys being dudes movie yes. is it is about acting with morals mm-hmm. and being good dudes. Yes. As opposed to like guys being dudes who do crime, which is a huge subgenre of this category. And that I find a little harder to watch very often. This one. It's like Magic Mike XXL. Chef's but with Kiss. Samur- samurais. You're not wrong, actually. <laughs> um, you're not wrong. Because they're but, very supportive and, and nice. But then, yeah, but but I, then I, yeah. Seven Samurai also knows when to, you know, turn it back on them and point out their hypocrisies. And yes. The, 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 Gently and yes. for edification purposes, Mufune not for condemnation. Our, yeah, Mufune essentially says it's like... Shiro Mufune, yes. Yeah, who is the kind of Who's, wild card... Yes, of the seven. Of the seven essentially says you all are hypocrites. Or does he tell the farmers that? No, no, no. He says he he confronts. I forget everybody one. basically. Okay, okay. No, because because the farmers are scared of the samurai when they right. arrive, and they assume they that the samurai the are of, women. of low yeah, yeah, yeah. morals and so on. They hide the women, and they're. I mean, they're the ones hiring these samurai, right. and now they're acting all paranoid. Um, uh, but anyway, yes, and and at one point they, you know, once they start befriending these samurai, one of them produces a bunch of armor. And the samurai figure out pretty quickly, like, look, how does how do farmers get samurai armor? They hunted down samurai. <laughs> and this is how they obtained it. And that's when he sort of explodes. Like, can you blame them ultimately? Right. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> they have their problems. We have our problems. Like, let's not pretend that this doesn't exist. They're not totally wrong to be wary. And, you know, we aren't wrong to want respect i mean sort of the i mean he says he does it much more eloquently and with a lot more yelling um <laughs> while drinking a lot. while drinking yes. profusely and yeah mafune's being king dude here um as, no, as our, he was wont to do well no our king dude he's not technically in charge but he's king dude if you get my drift mafune's uh, king dude Ta- takashi shimura okay. is our king dude. well no he's he's the one who's in charge of the samurai but i am saying that mafune in this movie is king dude that's like a category of dude. Okay, what what is uh, the other guy? Well, he's he's the one in charge of the samurai. He, he's well, he's you're like not he's giving he's him like, enough credit. What do you? He, he's the okay the Godfather dude. Like, not like not like. I'm, where the did Coppola. you come up with these different dudes? No, you had a whole system for which dude was which. You're gonna so. Oh, let, but, he's but, the but cool me... dude, and then there's the cooler dude, and then there's the friendly dude, and then there's the guy who wears no pants. <laughs> But that's and Mifune. Then, and then I don't remember who the but, other two but Mifune are. is the one who wears no pants. And the young, the young guy. There's the young guy. Right. The, the young, like, yeah, you know. Naive I guess one. Delikan is the Turkish term. <laughs> yeah, young, hot-blooded. Oh, not even hot-blooded. No, he doesn't just, have a temper. No. But he's, he falls in love with a farmer yeah. daughter. Yes. and, and they, has, they roll in the hay. Um, no, I really love everyone's character introduction. It's like great for screenwriting. Uh, our initial cool dude, Shimura, or did I say his name? Um, yes, uh, Takashi Shimura is like, is like this, like the most noble. Like it's like oh, to live in a time. Do you remember how his character is introduced? It's like perfect. I mean, go, go go right ahead. Okay, well, let me tell you a tale. <laughs> for one thing, he shaves his head. Yes, because he's pretending to be a monk. And there, there, there's like a uh, real yeah. 
fanfare about the coolness and sweetness and uh, um, nobility yeah. of Wise these samurai. demeanor. Yes, but but yeah. my point is like there's there are crowds of people who can appreciate it along with you. Like yes. they're never doing these things, and people are not like, yeah, these freaking samurai. Like, what are you gonna do? This like, is true. like there's these hypocrisies that are brought up, but there's so much of a reverence. I guess except when the samurai sleeps with the farmer's daughter. But there's so much reverence for the noble deeds that they're doing. And so as an audience does seduce him. Like this is not a conquest anyway. Anyway. Different story. That's a different story. Um, but he shaves his head because he's gonna pretend to be a monk. Right. To to draw out like a killer in the A thief who has kidnapped a child. And he just like he says, I have brought you some I am but a humble monk. I am but a humble monk. And he brings out the thing. The child must be hungry. And the child is like screaming in the house. Yeah, it gives me cultures. You don't see anything that's happening in the house, and he's just looking in the house and he puts down the thing. And then there's just this moment where he essentially like pounces. Mm -hmm. And it's so smooth and it's so precise. And you just hear and you see the thief (laughs) run out. You know, stab wounds essentially, yeah, and, and and then he's just and he just walks out. And he's just like, "Yes, I've done my duty," and everyone is just in awe. And there's so many moments like that where the movie acknowledges. And I, I've, this is something I've determined. I don't know if I brought it up on the podcast. I brought it up with people. I really appreciate it when movies or you know other characters or the I guess the script in general is in awe of or is is sweet towards its main characters where there's a sense of like reverence for them because i think or takes interest in them or finds them fascinating because i think too often it's like oh these protagonists are dirt bags like the criminal thing or they're or they're aggrandized for yeah. the wrong reasons or but just like a movie to essentially say no this guy is a cool you guy. do want to be this guy yes like again, role models role models like we were saying and gives them actual role models on the screen. Yeah. Guys and being good dudes. Guys being good dudes. And, you know, by God, the the, the Magic Mike XXL people are going to, you know, in retrospect, it's nice that they will realize their dream. Yes. And they will talk is, to the to the You've ladies. seen the light on Magic Mike XXL. It's in its execution. But it is. That I have prob- no, that I have problems with it. The, but, my, but, but my point is like that. And uh, that, to me, I really respond. There is a there is a pervading sweetness that doesn't feel schmaltzy in Seven Samurai towards these noble samurai. Yeah. So I want to paint a picture for our listeners okay. here. I'm I am in my office watching a DVD copy of Seven Samurai. <laughs> it's lunchtime. Wickham comes and knocks on my door, as he unfortunately does um, periodically. And I mean, opens the door. <gasps> Can I watch this with you? <laughs> the instant reaction. <laughs> comes over and sits down on the chair and just starts watching Seven Samurai. And I had to ask you at the end, I said, Wickham, is this the kind of film that, you know, guys will put on when they need a good cry? (laughs) And I, you know, I'm not trying to make fun of it, but I do get the impression like this is exactly what would do the trick because of exactly what you're saying. Like it has such respect for these characters. And, you know, I don't think it's spoilers to say some of them are lost in the battle. Um, how that happens, why, and what, like all of this is, is, you know, brilliantly executed in its climactic Yeah, we, yeah, we can get into that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or, or, or not. That's all right. Just, no, no, no. Not... Get into the execution of it. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it's, and you don't want to spoil it either. No, no, I no. I mean, no. it's, yeah. So anyway, um, 
Anyway, I, I get the impression that like this is just what a dude puts on when you need. I would like, you have not seen Ghost Dog. No. Jim Jarmusch's, this made me want to rewatch Jim Jarmusch's Ghost Dog. The, because the, the Forrest Whitaker character in Ghost Dog, titular Ghost Dog, is a man who is trying to like raise himself, like yes. bootstrap himself according to these exact kinds of principles right. that are in this movie. Right, right, right. Um, so now that I've seen Seven Samurai, I, w- I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen Ghost Dog, um, but I would like to go back and see, because I'm sure Jarm- I mean, Jarmish is also a, a, a guy who makes movies about guys being dudes in various circumstances. That's his whole, um, that's like 90% of what he does. <laughs> um, and I think that one in particular yeah, will have reference law, to yeah, a yeah. lot of Kurosawa. Yeah, but I think Ghost Dog in particular like leans into... You know, code of the samurai and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the the connection is very explicit. But but, but to to Kurosawa's credit, he's often exploring the different sides of this stuff too. Sure. It's it, like uh, Throne of Blood, ostensibly, you know, Macbeth. It is the same Mufune essentially dealing with these human, um, the 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 inherent descent of Macbeth. So it's not like he's the noble samurai in that necessarily or uh, i think yojimbo you know it's more of the arc of him as this kind of i forget if he's i don't know if he necessarily he's a samurai specifically in that but he is essentially hustling people in a town to make money and then he sort of has this the sweet arc to him but even like rashomon like the noble there's the thief who's mifune yes but then it's the noble guy quote unquote you realize is probably just a fraud. Right. It is, is upset that his wife wanted to get, you know, get with this thief. <laughs> um, and so, so yeah, my point is like Kurosawa is not, he's not beholden to that samurai code when the movie right. calls for it. Right. But, well, no. Yeah. And even like, so to go back to, you know, the, the young samurai who falls in love with the yeah. farmer's daughter and like breaks the code yeah. to roll in the hay with her. Like, she's the one who's really kind of batting her eyelashes at him. I mean, it's, it's, you know, they, their arc is very sweet and, you know, but. And no, it isn't. What are you talking no, about? I mean, it's, it, it's, it, 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 it's, it's <laughs> a very standard romance, their, um, but it's, their, uh, their, it gets, their courtship is sweet. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what ends up happening is like yanking the rug out yeah. from under what you'd expect to happen. Um, but I mean, but the way that the other samurai are sort of like pleading with her father who discovers this, um, and I mean, he behaves abominably and they're yeah. trying to get him to behave less abominably and just be like, they're young, don't you remember? And like, they should, I mean, they should also be annoyed with him and they sort of just roll they their eyes. They joke about it. They yeah. do. Um, but I mean, like, he's not condemned for it. He's not excommunicated. He's, it's just like, okay, you know, we all make mistakes. <laughs> Can we really blame you? Not really. <laughs> like, yeah, he became okay. a man. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly that kind of thing. <laughs> just, just, yeah. So it's it is that kind of, like it's flexible. It's not as rigid as as it could be. It's not enforced to the point where it would break down the community. Right. And so that too is sort of set up as a as sort of an ideal for how communities can monitor themselves. But it is all of these different sort of. Uh, sects, right? It's the it's the villagers, it's the bandits, it's the samurai, and mm-hmm. everyone has all of these predefined relationships that they all have to sort of yep. navigate yep. and conflict. Um, and tales as old as time. I mean, it does feel very like 
entrenched. And the villagers are often, and again, they're the again the, the, the kind of the chorus who's sort of watching how badass the samurai are. But <laughs> but and they're sort of, but they're also kind of campy. They're they're like way overacting it. Obviously, Mifune Mifune is doing his, but he's a wacky <laughs> character. But all the samurai, you know, are very stoic and whatever. And the and the villagers are always super amped and like panicky. Have you, did you notice this? They're they're like very exaggerated and they're yeah. going, oh my God. And yes. the samurai come in. I guess maybe that's like a nice yeah. point of yeah. contrast. They're, they're, they're prone to rash action. They come across almost like silent movie acting in their in their exaggeration. Mm-hmm. Some of them. Some of them, yeah. Um, but man, those samurai. There's mm-hmm. the one, there's, okay, there's, so there's the cool samurai and then there's the coolest samurai. That's the mountain guy? The mountain guy who yeah. is just like zen- and my we, and we know part, he's the coolest guy because the young guy comes over and tells him how cool he is. Well, there's two pivotal moments. It's when they're <laughs> staking out uh, some of the bandits to get information from him. And the, the Zen samurai, I think, is just sitting under the tree and he's just like picking petals off of a, of a flower. And the young guy's just watching it. And you're watching it from the young guy's perspective. <laughs> anyway, he's, he's my favorite character. And he goes off and he does a cool thing. And then the young guy says, yeah. I you're you're I just think you're really awesome. But basically, yeah, he just comes up to this guy who's looking at him like, what? What do you what are you doing? What do you want? And he smiles. Yes. And it's so sweet. And that's what I'm talking and that's about. That's all it is. Like, I know. That's all it is. I'm t- yeah. This is it's that audience surrogate thing. It's like if you he are, is he if, is a cool guy. If Thank you were a dude who needs a good cry, Seven <laughs> Samurai. I'm right now. It's, it's um, your movie. I left my tissues in my office. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> It earns its three hours, unlike some movies we've watched for this podcast. Yes. Mm. No, 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 because it, it spends nice quality time. You get to know each of the samurai. You get to know <laughs> their perspective on things. The the, the initial uh, leader has this sort of relationship and wants this thing, and you understand Mifune's connection, and you understand. And then some people who are more necessarily ambiguous, like this ultimate kind of blade uh, uh, master, essentially. You see him dueling at the beginning. You don't need too much information about him. It's his whole presence, right? Sword. Yeah, but you appreciate that someone tells, tells him that he's really cool and that he smiles <laughs> about it. And and that's all you need. And the young guy has his his sort of arc as well. And so I, uh, I think it, it earns its length because you really do develop these connections. And that's not even counting the crazy action movie filmmaking here. Oh, God, yeah. Holy Filming in the crap. rain. All the mud. How did they make How this movie? How did he movie? do this? How many horses oh. were harmed? Oh I mean, gosh! I must not think about Let's that. Not. <laughs> but the yeah, there's mud, no way the number is zero. The mud and the falling off of horses and people yeah. dragged off of horses and real arrows being fired at people. Yeah. And I mean, it, yeah. And it's that Kurosawa thing, and I feel like I, I might be misquoting, but it's like there's always this depth. And there's always this sense of movement yes. in the frame. Yes, yes. Like from the very opening bit when the bandits are looking down at the the village, just the composition of these shots and and uh, the the way that it's executed. It's so that I guess is one of its main legacies yeah. is, is is its action movie yeah. filmmaking and the way it introduces Mifune when he finally shows up. Yes. Um, it's, like, I, he does some crazy stunts in that movie. Like, he does, yeah. He, he runs down a mountain with like reckless abandon. Do you yeah. remember this? Oh. Wearing no pants. He well, never I mean, wears pants. He, he does sometimes. And at some point, he loses the pants. I feel did like, this appeal to you in I the same blink? way that uh, Tom Hardy and Taboo? I was t- just t- confused. T- no, t- t- that's a... That's, <laughs> 
the no pants. No, no. <laughs> that was a totally so you like, different uh, thing. Camera movement and no pants. I never said I like. I just couldn't understand. It's like, wait, what, where was the scene where Mifune loses his? It's pants? just his vibe, you know. He runs around. Freedom. Yeah. Um, it's a little more brave heart than taboo. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. But anyway. Um, but but that, there's there's a whole there's a whole paper in there as well of just the. the I'm way not going to write action. that paper. No, no, um, not the pants paper. <laughs> The lack of pants, the action filmmaking, the the the, the scenes and the construction of it. That, the, sure. Yes. The, the parallel that I mentioned this to you yesterday, though, like the introduction of Mifune, which is where we got into this, but while he was still wearing pants of some kind, or at least the robe or whatever, um, it takes like an hour into the movie, like 50 minutes, I think, before Mifune shows up. Yeah. And so it's a very similar sort of star introduction yeah. to like John Wayne in Stagecoach. Um, Stagecoach. Yeah, but I think the difference there is like John Wayne wasn't a star when that he did Stagecoach. It was thirty nine. Right. Sort of right. But he has a. But oh, like yeah. he had this mm-hmm. amazing introduction, uh, and I think it's um, Johannes Benotto who has a video essay about that introduction in Stagecoach, which is worth looking up. Um, but I got the same sort of vibe with Mufuni. We wait, we wait. Yeah. We know this is his movie, quote unquote. So I was already kind of surprised that he was not like the the leader of the samurai, but like this other samurai who should and but again like he's he's the dude's dude you know he's the king dude that's what i mean like he, he gets the star introduction as we the really king need dude. to get better labels for these people king dude um <laughs> but yeah like the camera treats him this way um we even though he's unpredictable and like kind of going against the introductions that we've seen from all of these this other team like he's sort of the wild card etc like we we're getting this formally just as much as anything else does he catch a, he catches a fish right with his bare hands and at one point yeah, yes yeah. this is when like everybody's sort of following him and yeah. eyeing him strangely like he's with the group but is not he of the, the seventh group. of the seven yeah summer. exactly and he yes he catches a fish with, fish with his bare hands and they're like okay he's in Basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then he just spears it and sticks it on the fire. Afia Tolson, King Dude. Badass, yeah. 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 Um, (laughs) The way that you're nodding at me right now. (laughs) Am I crying? (laughs) No. (laughs) You might be right about the dudes needing a good cry. You see, this also, because this was originally your sight and sound pick, I would like to go, now that they're releasing individual director top tens, it is probably an experiment worth doing. How many, like, like, what proportion of votes for Ackerman come from women? What proportion of seven samurai votes come mm. from men? I would bet you, I mean, dollars They're very donuts. similar films. No, but I mean, like, there would be, like, gender divides yeah, yeah. that would be very stark on a lot of these films. But you're okay with with men liking this movie of course okay, of course no i mean it's not a bad thing it's you know the guys being dude uh, varda was quoted at some point as saying it's nice to watch a film where like men are just being dudes together that's not exactly her words but it was you know i don't i was it a michael mann movie i don't remember you anyway use like the word dude sometimes derogatorily you realize but not always you're like oh that dude yeah but <laughs> not always. Not in this case. I don't know. I feel like a samurai requires more than just dude. Okay. Anyway. Well. <laughs> They're samurai, this Colleen. Is the... <laughs> so, 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 yeah, the couch is over there. Allow me to get my legal pad. Tell me again your relationship to Kurosawa's Seven Samurai. Well, to be honest, I we had the... Are As you, a man. Are you genuinely asking me that? Because we, we had the you double... You seem very willing to talk about we it. We had the double VHS. 
And I would always watch snippets of it. But the, actually, the first version of this I watched was Magnificent Seven, which ah. is, you mentioned Stagecoach. Yep. The Western connection. Yep. Spaghetti Westerns and Westerns have been ripping off Kurosawa. Uh, and vice versa, I think, right? Uh, I don't think so. No? I, don't, I mean, maybe. But it's mostly Magnificent Seven and Fistful of Dollars, which is Yojimbo. Well, okay. uh, Star Wars is uh, uh, for, Forbidden Kingdom. Oh. Everyone's just been ripping off Kurosawa. Um, Rashomon. Well, we already talked about yeah. how paprika is like the, yeah. the unsung source text for Inception. Yeah, that's, which is a, that's a whole other podcast. Thing. I mean, that's, yeah, there's a lot of just riff because it's, it's the classic thing of like, well, uh, you know, Hollywood, no one knows of these movies. No one has seen paprika. In the, so we can just oh, do. Yes, the unannounced remakes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or announced ones. It's like when Spike Lee remade Old Boy and then they went on. Which is not uh, Japanese, but they went on record as saying, like, well, you know, American audiences don't like reading subtitles. Oh, blah, blah, yeah. Blah. yeah. I don't think that flies anymore. I, I, hope don't, not. I, don't, I don't think anybody can reasonably use that excuse in an age where everybody is hooked on whatever subtitled drama on Netflix. I, I think, yeah. I mean, if, if streaming has done some good, it is to prove that audiences will just kind of watch whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, whatever strikes uh, yeah. their fancy. Yeah. Um, but uh, but Magnificent Seven, uh, that was the first I- iteration of it I watched, and um, and so you get caught up in the. It's such a great premise, obviously. And then I would watch snippets of the VHS of Seven Samurai, and my dad would tell me all these different. So I would watch it with my dad, and there were See? all these <laughs> guys being dudes, dudes being dudes, and we would cry together. And um, but we would we would compare the two. But mm-hmm. even but when I was a kid, I didn't necessarily have the patience for a full three hour movie. But I would watch like the different character introductions. No, but so this I, would be, this would be an excellent hangout movie. Yes, I get like you could just show up at my office and be like, I want to watch the rest of this, <laughs> and you know exactly what's going on. I mean, like yeah, I mean, I'm amazed at memory to, for a lot. To of be things. honest, I didn't fully rewatch the whole movie. We I watched it with Alev not too long ago. It's mm-hmm. like a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I was like, let's go back to this. And and yeah, it was it was dragging wonderful. your wife into the guys being dudes. She cave. liked it too. Oh yeah, yeah. No, again, there's nothing wrong with liking it, but it's you, just you just said is... dragging her into it, like like it's like, <laughs> honey, you have I'm to sure watch. I'm sure she went willingly, but um, <laughs> but it's but like my my only beef with this is that it's an outsized, like literally outsized compared to like women getting to be women together. Yes. Right, which is what hustlers is, and you know. Then we have the dudes coming and going, this would not actually happen this way for Christmas. And I'm saying it doesn't who matter. Who said that? Who who said that? Who? Like- who indeed? <laughs> Go back to episode whatever number yeah, that was. Yeah, whatever. I Revisit still maintain, Hustlers. Uh, I, I think that's just as believable as samurais being dudes. All right. so anyway. It's a very, yeah, very similar anyway, I'm just, film. I'm just saying, like, you can have subcategories of guys being dudes, and we are not yet at the subcategories of women like doing this posse thing together. And when we get it, it's stuff like um, you, you were talking about oceans at one point, Oceans Eight, where it's women, you know, it's a it's a group of all women doing crime, and so it's women. But I mean, it's 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 stilted in a way that this doesn't feel stilted. Sam- no. Samurai does not feel stilted. Like like no. when when people try to manufacture a feminine counterpoint to this, very very often it still feels stilted. And I I lament this for us as a woman. <laughs> I would like more, you know, just women hanging out, being friends, 
got each other's backs kind of stuff and it happens portrait so, lady on fire there's that yes yes like when the dude that doesn't feel, that, doesn't, that doesn't feel stilted <laughs> no i mean there's a, there's a whole there's a it whole does. Yeah, chemistry thing going it's on it's true but, it's true yeah but they, that's they, one of the example yes that's an they excellent feel very, example they're, they're very comfortable but there aren't that many them. of them like it's it's and, it's a it's a tighter movie it's only the three women really who and not to it. go back to that episode but i think of our podcast, but I think I said at the time, like, I, I didn't maybe make it very much so clearly. This is now a Portrait of Lady on Fire podcast. But um, I mentioned that the the housekeeper that works yes. with them, mm-hmm. she's very, it's nice that she's just sort of present. Yes. And in retrospect, what I mean by that, it's not that her character doesn't matter or that she doesn't have important things to do. It's that she, there is an effortlessness to them as a yes. collective. Yeah, as a community. Yes. She's not, like, there's no social hierarchy. Yeah. I mean, even that, though she's Siana's, not even, even yeah. though she's not part of their romantic dynamic, no, yeah. she is, she is free to just be, to play cards with yeah, them. Yeah, they're cooking to together. That. They're playing cards. They're reading stuff. I mean. What you had just said is why I liked her presence. In the okay. Movie. So, so you made it very clear. I'm right. Yes. Thank you. You're, you're wrong about hustlers, but you're right. I about, am not wrong. About <laughs> hustlers. No, you're not wrong about hustlers, but you're wrong about like uh, hustlers is what women should put on when they need a good cry. It makes me cry because of the Fiona Apple song. No, no, just it's 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 how many people have compared hustlers to seven samurai. I I if, if I'm wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> the magic Mike XXL came up, too. So. <laughs> Sorry, Kurosawa. These comparisons are probably too. You would probably love Magic Mike XX. I think that is. I think that is a ridiculous thing to say. (laughs) Anyway, what are we talking about? You were going to conclude the episode. Uh, No, we're talking about Japanese (laughs) cinema. Um, I need to look up a movie for my special thanks. Oh, okay. Um, So, so then I will take us out. Yes. that's our episode. You made me watch that as a production of the Department of Communication and Design at Kent University. You can support the podcast by subscribing with your favorite audio app and by following the Kent Cinema Society on Instagram at Kent Cinema. Give us a comment. Give us a review. Slap some stars on that review. That helps our visibility. Um, Thanks very much to our loyal listeners. Yes. Our cover art was designed by Denis Vadi Tungur. Our weekly thumbnails are designed by Tyler Knuckle. Our theme music was composed by Dazi Ozovsky. Check out more of his music wherever you get your fine audio. This episode was recorded by Batuhan Buldu, edited by Tyler Knuckle, and produced by Tyler Knuckle and the Bielkent Cinema Society. Extra tashekular to our tech wrangler, Uzjan Akar, and the Japanese Culture Society at Bielkent University for yes. the screening of Paprika, which was standing room only. I didn't even mention how crowded it was when they showed Paprika. So clearly there's a demand for this stuff. Um, so if anybody's looking for the back catalog, here are a couple Were more. Were people dazed and confused as they left the screening room? Did they? I don't know. I had to run. Out. Okay. <laughs> so I, yeah, I had I had to bolt, but I think people did stick around and maybe even went oh, cool. down to local afterwards. I don't know. Oh, they have cool. after parties. I have a family, so I have to go back home. Yeah. <laughs> So that anyways, old yeah, I don't get to I don't get to hang out, but um, people were definitely down with that movie. So do you have any special thanks for us? Yes. In the spirit of being the the mean, cynical, dark, brooding one of the two of us, is that a fair assessment? What have I called myself this episode? The um, generic film dude and now this yeah, weird... Cliche film buff yeah. guy. And, and apparently just likes, wants to cry watching Seven Samurai, which that, I can that agree was with. My, that, was, that was my contribution. I can, I can go with that. Okay. But there is an interesting subgenre of kind of meaner, more... Yeah, more cynical, more um, getting at the... The I guess the I don't know I don't know what just the inherentness of like these vigilantes the, the the samurai code 
being taken to some sort of weird perverse extreme or at mm. the very least the dynamics taken in a more horrifying more i guess maybe realistic for lack of a better word um perspective there's a movie called sword of doom sword of doom sword of doom which is about sort of it's a mis- it's this misogynistic awful awful man who is so good at sword fighting that it essentially drives him insane and without going too much into detail, it ends with him essentially fighting the ghosts of the people that he has slain. And it is one of the most, like, gripping, like, it, it turns, he's a ronin, essentially, but it, it turns the whole, like, honor honorific thing on its head and him being this, like, m- person for hire in very much the same way as kind of a Seven Samurai. But Mifune is in that as, like, the pinnacle of the noble samurai and he has a fight with this guy. Sort of Doom is is a awesome, terrifying little movie. I have a movie that I have not seen, um, but this gets at some of it too. Is a movie called Oni Baba. Hmm. Have you heard of this? Yes. Um, which is again, this is like much. This is later samurai adjacent movies, but uh, kind of going off of that um, in Japanese film. But it's uh, the premise is an impoverished mother and daughter-in-law kill soldiers and steal their belongings. After the mother learns of the son's death, that she dons a mask to scare her daughter-in-law into staying with her. It's apparently this. This is just off of a Google search of it. It's this very creepy, unsettling, uh, and they use this kind of demon mask. Okay, yeah, it's the mask. I, I've looked it up. Yes. Nineteen sixty-four. Yes, the mask is what's famous. Uh, one was sort of doom. I'm wondering if this is just like sixties. It's like getting into more hard-hitting cinema, um, sort of Doom, 1966. So so we have the 50s kind of samurai and then the 60s kind of reflection on that, perhaps. Oh, sounds like the Western and the deconstruction of the Western. Yeah. Uh, a similar trajectory. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And I think those movies, I mean, I've not seen Onibaba, but it seems like up my alley. Um, but sort of Doom certainly is a, is a weird companion to Seven Samurai. It's, it's a mean movie, but I would recommend it. Okay. Thank you, Wickham. Thank you. 